We are continuing on with our little mini-series, Seven Scriptures Every Christian Needs to Know. Today we will be looking at John 3.16. You may be familiar with that passage. Today we'll be reading it from the King James Version. John 3.16. first passage we looked at in this series was second Samuel or excuse me second Timothy uh, chapter 1 verse 7 I've been reading second Samuel for school second uh, Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 last or well the last week we met before COVID and the storm we talked about the Lord's Prayer and today we're going to look at John three sixteen. this is likely a verse that many of us learned when we were young there are a handful of verses that, that, that we memorize throughout our years, and this one may be at the top of the list for, for most memorized scriptures. Uh, for some, it may not only be the first one they memorize, it may be the last as well. Hopefully that's not the case for us, but it is a great passage. It is a great evangel uh, evangelistic passage. Uh, we get a lot from this verse in John 3, 16. And so uh, we will pray, and then we will jump in. Father God, we come to you this morning, and I thank you that we can come here and be in your house. And God, I pray that you would just help our minds to be cleared of all the things in the, of the world, dear Lord, the things that we may have brought in, that we'd focus on you. Help me to focus on you, dear Lord. Help me to do a good job preaching and teaching and help us to hear your word and hear this good passage and, and just tuck it away in our heart, dear Lord, to remember it, to, to call on it, to use it, dear Lord, both in our lives and to be a light for you in the world. And I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. With this verse being such a popular verse, with it being such a well-known verse for Christians, we also must realize that it is a very attacked verse. There are many people who try to disprove Christianity, who try to... Uh, say that the Bible is a lie, who deny Jesus Christ, who deny Jesus' death and resurrection, and they will point to passages like this because they know that for Christians, this passage is important to us, that, that we turn to this passage, that we use this passage a lot. And so when we look at passages that, 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 that we should know and that we do know, we also want to be able to defend those passages as best we can and what does this passage say if someone comes against us and attacks this passage attacks god's word attacks us uh what what can we tell them well we can tell them god's word but they may or may not accept god's word they may or may not listen to god's word and there are sometimes no matter how good you explain the word of god to people they simply choose to reject the word of god now there are many who would attack this verse and they would look at language like Jesus being the only begotten Son of God and saying, ha, ah, there's proof that 
Jesus uh, is a created being. And they will come up with lots of arguments as to why the word begotten uh, is somehow uh, detrimental to the message of the gospel. There are many people looking for ways to disprove God's word. And for many people, they are simply reading God's word, looking for a way to disprove it instead of reading God's Word and looking at what it says. And that's what we want to do when we read God's Word. We want to look at what it says. Now, even as Christians, we are not looking, hopefully, to disprove God's Word. But even as Christians, sometimes we may read something into the passage instead of reading what the passage says and and trying to make the passage say something we want it to say instead of taking what it says and saying, okay, God, how does this apply to my life. And so when we come against those who are attacking Scripture, the best thing we can do is simply use Scripture to defend ourselves. And perhaps something we say or something we do will grab their ear, will grab their heart, that the Holy Spirit can begin to work. But until people really begin to look at God's Word and see what God's Word said and say, okay, what is this saying? Who is Jesus? Is this Jesus real? Is Jesus really the Son of God? And if so, did Jesus really die for me? Until people really begin to read into the Bible, uh, dig into the Bible and read what it says and let God's Word work in their life, they will never come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. But it is our job as Christians to present God's Word, even if people hear it and reject it and fight against it. And this passage is as good as any in the Bible to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? That Jesus Christ loved us, that he died on a cross for us so that we could be forgiven and that we could live eternally with him. And when we look at John 3.16, it tells us some good things that we need to consider. First, for God so loved the world. Now when we talk about world here, we see in the context of the passage that it's speaking about people. It's not speaking about a planet. It's not speaking about a piece of dirt. It's speaking about people. When it says world, it's saying all people. That God so loved the world, that God so loved creation, that God so loved humanity and every bit of humanity. And so when we start this passage and it says, for God so loved the world, we need to think about the significance of that. Look at this world. Look at, look at the things that you do. Look at the things that you've done just this week, just this month, just this year. Look back at your life and think about all the evil things that you have done and continue to do from time to time. Look at our world. Look at the evil. Look at the hatred. Look at the violence. Look at the murdering. Look at the stealing. We see lots of evil in this world. But yet even with all of the evil that there is, God so loved the world. That's a pretty amazing thing. That we have this reminder here in this one verse that God loves the world and he still loves the world. God doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. For God so loved the world, he wants all to repent and come to him. Not all will repent of their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ and come to him. 
But that doesn't lessen God's love at all. God's love is still great. God's desire is that all would come to Him. God's desire is a relationship with Him. God's desire is that He provide for us. For God so loved the world. And so just in those few words, we see the very heart of God. We see what God's desire is. We see the character of God. We see God in His greatness. And, and what is God? Who is God? God is love. God so loved the world. Now, we see the heart of God. We know what God is. God calls us to love as well. God calls us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. God is love, and those of us who follow God and trust in God are to follow in His example, and we too are to love because we have been loved. We are to love God. We are to love others. But when we talk about love, we've talked about this in the past. I know love is not a feeling. It is not an emotion. It is an action. Love drives us to do something. At least it should. For God so loved the world. Okay, God is love. If love calls for action, well, what's the action that God takes? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now there's the action. Now, think about, think about the significance of, of, of this that, that we see here. We see that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, or perhaps a better translation uh, would be one and only son. Uh, the term begotten may, may be a little misleading in that it may cause us to think or cause some to think that Jesus is a created being, but Jesus is not creating. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. John chapter 1 verse 1 and John chapter 1 verse 14 goes on to say, and the Word became flesh. The Word being Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has always been. And we see that language that Jesus is the only begotten Son. But we see that language in other places in Scripture. But really, what it really means is that Jesus is the preeminent God of Son, uh, Son of God. That Jesus is, is something special. When we see that language there, the only Son, that that, that, that is a special language that is being applied to Jesus. And we see that same type of language used uh, in uh, Genesis and the story of Abraham and Isaac when God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Uh, we see the same language used in Genesis 22:2. It says, take your son, he said, your only son Isaac. Well, Isaac wasn't uh, uh, Abraham's only son, but we see the same language. The same word appears uh, in Hebrews ch uh, chapter 11, verses 17 uh, through 19. Now listen to this passage. This is good. We, we look at that story of Abraham and Isaac, and we say, man, why, could, why would God uh, command Abraham to do that? That's a horrible thing. Well, one, God wanted to see Abraham's faith, and uh, Abraham probably would not have been allowed to go through with that. God would have probably intervened as he did. It was not that God was going to allow Abraham to commit murder. But listen to what it says about Abraham in, in, in regards to that event, that God called him to sacrifice his son. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, it says, 
By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and he was offering his unique son, the one it had been said about. Your seed will be traced through Isaac. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. And as an illustration, he received him back. Now, isn't that interesting? Uh, as we look at Hebrews 11, it's talking about a lot of people that had faith. Now, Abraham, we can certainly say had faith. God said, sacrifice your son. And Abraham was getting ready to do it. But God provided and Abraham didn't have to sacrifice a son. But in Hebrews 11, it says... Abraham was ready to do it because he knew that God would even be able to raise a son from the dead if he killed him. That same language there, that Isaac was the only begotten son of Abraham. There's a connection there in some way when we look at the life of Jesus because we see that what God called Abraham to do is what God himself had done, that he offered up his one and only son, knowing full well that being the all-powerful God, creator of the heavens and the earth, that he would be able to resurrect his son. Now, Isaac didn't have to be the sacrifice, but Jesus Christ did have to be the sacrifice. For God so loved the world. God loves us. Praise the Lord. Love is a good thing. But evil is a bad thing. We have evil in our life. We have sin in our life. And that separates us from the love of God. Now, God created humanity, he created Adam and Eve, and he, he was among them in the garden and would come in the evening breeze. And what a glorious thing that must have been for Adam and Eve to be in the beautiful garden and be among God as he would come and dwell among with them in the breeze. But even though that's what God desired, that, that, that got broken, that got messed up. God showed his love in that way in creating humanity, but soon sin came and broke that. But it didn't break God's love. Sin broke the relationship that we had with God, but sin did not break the love that God had for humanity. And so, because God so loved the world, that had to result in some action so that God could continue to show us that love and that we could receive that love and give that love back to God. And so the action was that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten son, his one and only son, his special son, to be the savior of the world, so that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to assume that everybody in this room loves somebody. I think for most people in the world, there are certainly some exceptions. But for most people in the world, even some of the most evil people in the world, there is probably somebody in their life that they genuinely love and care about. Now think about love in your own life. Think about a person or people that you love. For I so love blank. Fill in the blank there. For I so love my husband. For I so love my wife, for I so love my children, for I so love my grandchildren, I would do blank. Fill in the blank there. For I so love so-and-so, I would do what? What would you do for those that you love? 
You probably would do anything for them. What's the greatest thing you can do for somebody that you love? There is no greater love than that a man lay down his life for somebody. For I so love so-and-so that I would give my very life. That's what love is. If you say, I love my children, I would die for them. That's love. So we can, we can understand in some way the perfect love of God, even as imperfect sinners. Because as human beings who are sinners, we have people in our life that we love. And what would we do for them? Anything. The answer is anything. For your kids, for your grandkids, for your husband, for your wife, that one person or those people that you love, there is nothing that you would not do. And that's what God did. He did everything. Jesus was the Son of God, yet He was God. Jesus gave up His Son, yet Jesus was God. That's a hard thing for us maybe to wrap our head around. And when we see that Jesus died on the cross, we see that our very Lord suffered for us. That our very Lord gave everything for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And so when we talk about love in our life, that love must result in some kind of action. Sometimes it's a fun, a, a fun action, a simple action, a good action. I love my wife. I will send her flowers. That's one way to show love. I love my wife. There's a man rushing at us with a knife. I will jump in front of him and take the knife blow. That's an action. Love results in an action. Sometimes it's a good action. It's a beautiful action. Sometimes it's a, it's a horrible action, but love shows itself in some action. Because what love really desires is the good of someone else over ourselves. What love really desires is a relationship with someone else. What love really desires is to take care of the other person. And so when God says that He loves us, when the Scripture says that God so loves the world, God shows that love because He wants to be with us. Because He wants us to be forgiven of our sin. Because He wants things to be like it was in the Garden of Eden. Where God is there and we are provided for. And there is no sin and no, and no pain and no suffering and no heartache. God wants that for us. And we ruin that because of sin. You say, well, I'm an Eve ruined it. I didn't ruin it. Well, alright. Try to go the rest of the day without sin. And chances are you won't. If you'd have been in the garden, you would, have, you would have done it too. You would have done it. And so sin has messed it up for us. But God didn't give up. Because God so loved the world. So he took action. Alright? The way things, the way I wanted them to be, sin messed it up. I'm going to take action. I'm going to send my only son so that sin can be dealt with. When he is knelt to the cross that His blood will cover the sins of all the world that will come to Him. And then I'm going to raise Him up. And I'm going to lift Him up. He's going to be the authority of all things. He's going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
God had the power to do that. God said, I'm going to allow some suffering for a little while for the good of the people that I love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so what's the result? When we love people, it draws us to an action so that we can gain a result. Well, what's the result? For us, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life. Which means our sins are gone and we are with God in a perfect place provided for by God. We are loved by God and we love God for all of eternity. That's the result. That's what God desires. And the same is true in our life for those that we love. For I so love so and so that I will do this for them. What's the result? Well, the result is probably a relationship with them. I so love my mother and father. I so love my children. I so love my grandchildren that I will do this for them so that our relationship with each other will be good because I want to be with them. That's what love does. Love makes you want to be with people. You want to be with people that you love. You will do anything to keep relationships together with people that you love. That's the result. You, you love people. You do whatever you can so that a relationship can last and be strong. And so when we read this passage that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, even as sinful human beings, we get that just a little bit. I say just a little bit. You may say, man, I love my kids. I love my wife. I love my parents. I love my friends. And you very well probably do. You probably love them a lot. But if we want to look at love perfected, we look at Jesus Christ. We look to God who gave his only begotten son. We look to the Son who endured pain and suffering. That's what love is. And as good as the love is that we feel in this world, man, I don't even know that we'll be able to fathom how great God's perfect love is when we are with Him for all of eternity. Now we see what God's response was. When we love someone, action should follow that. It's, it's inevitable. It's going to follow. You can't say you love somebody and never have anything to do with them, never talk to them, never do anything nice for them. You can't do that. If you love somebody, that will show in some way, and if it does not show in some way, then you don't love them. And so when we talk about love and we talk about what God did, God's love demanded a response. God could have said, well, I love you. I really, really love you. I really wish there was something I can do, but you sin, so you're going you're gonna to burn in a lake of fire for all of eternity. But there was something God could do. And he knew there was something he could do. And he did it. He gave his only begotten son. Love requires action. Love requires a response. God loved us, sin came, God responded. Now when we look at this passage, it demands a response not from God. God has responded. 
God has gave his response. God is victorious through Jesus Christ. But when you read this passage, it requires a response from you. For God so loved you. But the real question is not whether God loves us. You read through the Bible, it's pretty clear that God loves you, loves me. That's not in question. The real question you must answer today is do you love God? God has responded. God loves you and God has responded to your sin. The question is, what will be your response today? Hearing the words of this passage, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ in one verse. That is the love of God at its finest. You have heard the love of God. God has responded to your sin. How will you respond to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross? That's the decision you must make. And I hope you choose to follow Jesus Christ if you're not already. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for this good verse and this powerful verse. God, we know what your word says. God, your word says, I love you. So God, how are we going to respond to that love? What are we going to say? What are we going to do? God, all we have to do is humble ourselves before you. To humble ourselves before the cross of Jesus Christ. God, to acknowledge and to admit that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and the only Savior there is is Jesus Christ. God, I pray that any here today or any listening online as they have heard your word, God, that they would respond. God, that we would respond in like kind to the way you, would, you responded. God, we sin, you responded by giving everything for us, by giving your one and only Son. God, I pray that we would respond by giving everything for you. That we would give all we have for you. That we would see your love. And that we would love you with all we got. And we'd love our neighbor as ourselves. God, I pray that as we take these next few minutes just to, just to pause, that if anybody's got something on their heart, they'll give it to you. They'll give their heart to you, dear Lord, if they haven't already. And I pray that you help us to remember this word tuck it away in our heart and to live by it every day of our life. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.